Thanks for joining us for this edition of Forward Church Online. Today's podcast was recently recorded at one of our live worship experiences. We hope you enjoy today's message. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, high five about two or three people around you. Tell them, say, you need Jesus. Not, not in a con- condemning way. Just tell them, say, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. Pastor B needs Jesus. I guess these chairs right here need Jesus because don't nobody want to sit in them. Everybody goes to the side. It's like part the Red Seas, but that's okay. That's, it's, it's what? Splash zone? Dude, so what, what you trying to say? What you trying to say? This is not Shamu right here. <laughs> huh? The glare? Well, praise Jesus. Y'all just extend your hand. Brother Chad needs Jesus tonight. Father, forgive him for he knows not what he said. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's true though. Me without Jesus, me all by myself am a screw up. Anybody else in the house? Without Jesus, I will mess this thing up. Amen? Uh, that was an amen for yourself, not to say, Pastor B, you're, you're telling the truth. Not only you got a glare, but you, you could screw things up. But one of the areas that I think that we could use him the most in is in our relationships. And that is the series that we have been on this journey for the past, I don't know, four or five weeks. And we've got a few more weeks to go. How many are enjoying this on relationships? Uh, I, I caught a lot of... Um, uh, People sliding into the DM on my direct messages telling me they enjoyed um, the bed uh, scenario and, and the pillow. And I was talking to somebody today, and I, was, I said, you know, it's, it's so true. I said, if anybody has, any married couple has never put a pillow between them, and I'm not talking about for back support. I'm saying if, if anybody says I'm married and I've never done that, you will lie. Because I think every married couple has experienced that. Um, but tonight we're going to slide on through uh, because I really feel the area that we need uh, Jesus the most in is, is our relationship. So if you brought your Bibles tonight, let's go to John chapter 15. Uh, it will not be on the screen tonight. Um, so uh, I encourage you to lean in to the Word or someone who has the Word or, man, we've got smartphones. They can hook you up. Okay, so John chapter 15, beginning with verse 1, says this. I am, this is Jesus speaking, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will even more be fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit. By itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. 
This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, by the way. I'm, I'm going somewhere, so stay with me on this. I know it's a lot of vine branches and fruit, no fruit being burned, all that good stuff, but let's keep going. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Somebody say, I am loved. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that, you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends, verse 14, you are my friends. This is what Jesus says. This is where we're going to be leaning in tonight around, around this verse right here. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I have learned from my father. I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Everybody say, I've been chosen to bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command that you love one another. So, we're in this series uh, dealing with or how to deal with difficult people. And in part one, we, we really looked at categorizing or prioritizing our relationships. Who goes where? Who is privy to what information uh, uh, in our lives? And we really talked about it's maybe not so much that they're a difficult person as much as we've created a difficult situation because I put a weight on them or I've opened myself up to a person who was never uh, uh, given the authority. They didn't qualify themselves to, to, to take and hold and manage the information about me that I gave them. Did, did you track me on that? In other words, it's not so much they're a bad person and it's not so much that I'm a bad person. It's just that I, I actually put something on them that they should have never been given. That was kind of what we dealt with in part one because we, we have a tendency to, to go right to pointing fingers and go, that's a difficult person, but we really, we really need to learn how to manage our relationships and how to categorize who goes where and who should be privy to what information. So part two, we talked about how to navigate difficult relationships. And we learned the difference between constituents, comrades, and confidants. I was actually on the phone with somebody today and they called me their confidant. And that, that kind of made me feel good because number one, I feel like I'm trustworthy. And number two, somebody was listening in the, to the message. <laughs> and we talked about what, what a um, constituent is, is someone who is not into you, but they're into what you're into. Okay. We talked about comrades. They're not into you either, but they're into what you're against. Your boss. You don't like them. They don't like them. They don't like you, but they're going to come together. So see if they can, you know, go up against that authority, right? That's a, that's a comrade. And a confidant is somebody that you can trust. They're on your level. You can trust them with information. You can trust, they, you can trust them as you begin to spew out toxic stuff. It may hit their ears, but it'll never fall out of their mouth onto Facebook or any of your other friends. That is a confidant. And typically, we all try to go, well, everybody should be my confidant. Just because they're your friend doesn't make them your confidant. Okay, so probably in life you're going to have maybe two, three, at most five. Maybe, maybe. 
And that's okay. That's not a bad thing. Because you got to be careful with, because what, what you have inside of you is very precious. It's very valuable. And when you just give it to everybody, they don't have your best interest at heart. And they're always going to look out for themselves before you. And whatever you have said can and will be used against you. I promise. And we talked about the importance of knowing who to talk to and, we, and recognizing the need to talk and to release the pressure. The, our mouth is the pressure valve to our heart. It's important that what goes on in our heart that we're able to talk. You've got to find a confidant, somebody that you can talk to uh, to get the toxins out because if you keep, the toxins stay in, you're going to turn into a very grouchy, irritable, sick person. Amen? Just kind of just doing some, just some cover, covering some ground tonight so you can kind of see where we're going. So then last week was part three, and we talked about navigating uh, through an offense and uh, the importance of, of, of doing that, how to do that, how to deal with conflict in a relationship. And we said that conflict and confrontation is unavoidable, uh, but, but how we navigate and manage it determines the longevity of that relationship, whether that's marriage and, and I didn't mean to talk a lot about marriage last week, but, but I, I think that we all can relate. But in any of our relationships, how we manage that conflict or that confrontation will determine the longevity of that relationship. Amen? And tonight is part four, and I want to talk to you tonight from the subject, navigating the dynamics of intimacy. Navigating the dynamics of intimacy. Everybody say navigating. So... I always try to like to come up with really cool catch uh, message slogans, but yeah, you good down there? Okay, because you about gave me a heart attack. So I looked up the, the, the definition of navigate, and, and because we know that that means to, to navigate through something, but listen to what it really means, and it really, now I understand why the past three messages or three Wednesday nights have actually had navigate in it. It says plan and direct the route or course of a ship, aircraft, or other form of transportation. And another one says, travel on a desired course after planning a route. So what we're doing is we're planning a route. It's called preparation before you get into a difficult... Now, yes, some of us are already in difficult situations, difficult relationships, but as we move throughout life, we're going to face difficult people in difficult situations. But what we've been doing through this series is planning, navigating, so that way when it's time to, to actually navigate through, you're going to tap into what you've learned tonight. That's why it's important to lock in, lean in, and take notes. Amen? All right, everybody say intimacy. Now, when you hear the word intimacy... Our minds naturally already move straight to the bedroom. Yes? <laughs> Jesus, you told me to say it like this. I just don't know. These people are going. It's like, y'all nervous. Where's he going? Last week he had a bed up here. Now he's talking about intimacy. This message is not going to be what you think. So everybody relax. Let the air come back in the room. Because intimacy has absolutely, positively nothing to do with your body. Intimacy has absolutely nothing to do with the bedroom. Intimacy has absolutely, I'm going to go ahead and say the word one time. Let me get it out. Absolutely nothing to do with sex. There's a whole lot of people in earth today having all kinds of sex who ain't never been intimate a day in their life. As a matter of fact, in order to have good, you can't have good sex until you learn how to be intimate. 
I said that word three times, didn't I? Okay, I'm going to move away from it. But it's true. It, I, I, we're not going there tonight, but I want you to understand intimacy has nothing to do with what our mental mind automatically goes to. You are actually intimate with a lot of people throughout your day that you have no business being intimate with. It's true. Intimacy, just like the word, means this. Into me, see? Into me. Are you into me? If you're not into me, you can't have me. If you're not into me, and again, I'm not talking sexually. If you're not into me, you don't get my time. You, don't, you may get a little of my time, but you're not going to get the contents of my heart. That's where I was saying we are actually intimate with people throughout our day because we give them intimate details to our heart. I want to make sure I don't jump way ahead in my notes, but we're going to get there tonight in just a minute. Intimacy is into me, see, see into me. That's what we're going to look at tonight. So in the passage that we just read, we see where the relationship between Jesus and the disciples shifted. Everybody say relationship shift. Relationship shift. So in relationships, there's three levels, okay? You have this level. You have this level. I feel like Karate Kid. And you have this level. If I was with the young people, I'd be like, dab it up one time, but... You've got this level, this level, and this level. There's three levels to relationship. We're going to look at these tonight. The first one is this level. This is, this is our mentors. This is who we look up to. This is, this is somebody who, who, whose opinion we respect. How many have a mentor or somebody you look up to? It's somebody who, when they speak, they help you. Anybody else? You got, you got a mentor. When they speak, you learn. And, and if you remember back a couple weeks ago, I probably said it every week, um, but when you, when you have a problem, always go up. When you get stuck in a situation, always go up. Never share a problem with someone who doesn't have the ability or the power to actually bring a solution to that problem. Because if you're, if you're going up, what you're saying is I'm looking for a solution. But if I go down, I'm, all I'm doing is spreading gossip and drama. And when you go this way, that's Facebook. When you share it this way, now you're sharing it with everybody. And, and again, now you're being intimate with all these people who are following you that you probably don't even know. Half the people on Facebook that follow me, whatever that means, I, I don't even know half these people. So I got to be careful, and so do you, to make sure that when you're sharing intimate information within yourself, that, that you're not going, you're, you're, you got to find a confidant. Everybody say confidant. So when we go up with our problem, we're looking for solution. So, so we, ha we, have, we have this relationship, and then we also have this relationship. This relationship is where someone's actually looking to me, or somebody's looking to you. You're their mentor. When they, they, they respect your opinion. They, when you speak, you're actually helping them. They're, they're learning from, from you. How many have people in your life, maybe you're a uh, at your job or you're a boss or, or, or your kids, they have that. Anybody? But it's people who watch our lives. They value our opinion. Listen, God puts those people, not, not because we're better than them, God puts them in our lives not to hold them back, not to, not to lord over them, but to actually uh, uh, to train them, to develop them, to empower them, to champion them, and to put them at a place where they win. That's the reason why they're looking to you because they're, they're, they've got a hope that somebody's going to, I believe that God's got something in my life, and I believe that he's put you in my life to help me get there. And it's a tragic thing if I stand over them and go, I, I see that, but I need to keep you right here. 
My, my role as this transition thing is, is happening, my role is to empower people, is to empower Allie and other people to, to, to be in these roles so that each one of us feel the responsibility of reaching the people in our city for Jesus. Whether it's through announcements, that's keeping people informed, whether it's uh, uh, all the facets of this ministry, we need to be raising up the next generation. And then we also need to be putting people in place who have gray hair, no hair, some hair, whatever hair. Every single person, we can't put people on a shelf and go, well, you, you've already maximized and reached the, the, the point of no return. You're just, you're just on a fast pass trying to get to heaven. We understand. No, 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 no. We want to make sure every single person is engaged uh, into this thing that God is calling us to. Amen? And that's intimate. That's an intimate thing that's happening when all of us can function and nobody's looking at somebody else going, yeah, but you stay. No, no, no. We're going to raise you up. We're going to train you. We're going to empower you. We're going to teach you. We're going to make sure we put you at a place and on a platform where you win. You win, in the, you win in the church. You win in your marriage. You win. Everything you do, you need to win. Everybody say, I got to win. When you wake up every day with the mentality, I'm going to win today. No matter what, push through anyway. I'm going to push through. Amen. Amen. So, so through life, we have relationships here and we have relationships down here. But then there's this other third relationship, and it's this way. And this is friendship. Everybody say friendship. It's peer relationship. It's not necessarily somebody looking at me. It's, it's not somebody that I'm looking to. But we come together because we share a common interest. We, 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 we enjoy the same activities. We, we, uh, uh, we, we, we share the same stories. We like the same activities. We like the same sports. We, we don't like the Gators. So I got to, you know, somehow bring you guys along because we, we like Buckeyes around here. What color chairs? Why my mic go out? <laughs> what color are the chairs you sitting in? It's not orange and blue. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> See what I started? Talking about unity in the church, and here I am talking about division. I'm just kidding. So that's what Jesus is doing in John 15. Is, is basically he's, he's letting us see how the relationship shifted. From, you're my disciples, you're my servant, but now I, you're my friend. Okay? And basically what Jesus said was, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say, I will force you. He said, I will make you. Basically what he was saying is, I'll develop you and I'll take responsibility. I'll take responsibility to make sure that you get better at what you're doing. I'll make you fishers of men. Basically, he was saying, watch how I talk to people. Watch how I touch people. Watch how I care for them. Watch how I love them. Watch how I treat people who are, in, who are living in sin. I mean, we all got issues. Let, 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 watch me how I treat people who are in sin, who need grace and mercy. Because there was a time, matter of fact, it's still every day reoccurring in my life, that I need his grace and mercy. I hope I'm not in a church who's already arrived and made it that they don't need an additional touch of his grace and mercy every day. Why was all of this important? Because Jesus understood that he had three and a half years to shape, train, empower these 12 random guys to be world changers. But in John 15, he changes the relationship. 
Two things that we're going to see tonight. Number one, we're going to see how the relationship changed and how Jesus made them not just disciples, not just servants, but he also made them friends. We're going to understand how Jesus also wants us to see that we're not at this level. He also is making us at this level. When, once the cross was done and complete and he said it is finished, this is, this is the stance we have. We are a friend of God. Reach over and touch your neighbor and say, I am his friend. I am a friend of God. He said, I'm moving you from here to here. But look what he says changes the nature of the relationship. John 15, 15 says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. So what keeps us at arm's length? Knowledge. It's what I, it's what I don't know. A servant, because he said, a servant doesn't know all of his master. But once you move up to this, now, now you've reached a level where I can actually uh, interact and have a relationship with you. He moved from servant to friend. He said, everything that my father has shared with me, I'm sharing with you. It's kind of like what happens on Wednesday nights. The reason I, I get so passionate, it's not just a message. And it's, this, last week was probably one of the most real interactive messages I've ever preached because it's a, it's a page ripped out of my story. Offense. It's going to be my way and tonight I'm laying. That, that, it's, 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 what, it's, it's what Jesus is saying. Everything that the Father is teaching me, I'm teaching you. Everything that the Father is helping be through, I know he's not helping me through just so I can get through. I believe he's going to help. He's helping me so that I can stand a little stronger and say, you know what? We're going to, we all are going to get through all of these conflicts, all of these difficult relationships, working through all, work, all these conflicts. We're going to get through this stuff together. And it's not just going to be a one-time deal. <laughs> You're going to always constantly run into people who are difficult. But again, if you go all the way back to the first part of the series, we're, we're in control of what people are in our circle. So if we manage this thing right, we're going to have less and less conflict and confrontation. If you're still, if you're still seeing all of this, I understand there's some, there's some relationships you can't, they get put, you get put with or whatever at work and those type things. But for the most part, you control who's here, here, and here. You control that. Because we want to get to a place where we're, there's less conflict. And you control that. You, I, you and I together, we manage that. Point number one, information creates intimacy. Information creates intimacy. That's what's dangerous about this thing. I bring people close into my circle when I begin sharing intimate things or things that are close to my heart. So he changes the relationship. How, do we, how, how, does that, how does that relate in our lives? How do we change it when we begin sharing information with people? Sometimes we need to withhold information. Somebody say withhold. Got to withhold information. Now, this is where it's dangerous because the majority of the intimate information that we have stems from pain. Would you agree? Most of the stuff that we hold in our heart is due to pain. Where this comes up dangerous is when two, I had a picture up a couple weeks ago of John and Leslie or whoever I named them, I don't even remember, but all kinds of crazy stuff happened. But it happens throughout America where a guy and a girl who both have been divorced, they show up, they meet uh, at a Starbucks and, and don't even know each other's last name, but they, 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 they feel the friend zone, friend zone coming. 
and they feel they feel comfortable and all of a sudden they begin spilling out out of there because that person's been she's been divorced I've been divorced so maybe I should just tell my story maybe we can relate that person has not been qualified for the information that you're sharing again you just became intimate not in a bedroom you became intimate with that person because you begin to share out of the, your inmost being all that you've been through they have no business knowing that and guess who is responsible for now them having that information us information is leads to intimacy it's very 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 dangerous what makes it dangerous is because people bond <laughs> they bond over the pain Listen, if they haven't been qualified through character, their character, character, not personality, not they're funny, they're a funny guy, I like hanging out with them. Qualify the people in your circle through their character. Can they be trusted with the information? If they're not your confidant, they don't need any personal information. So Jesus is shifting the relationship using information to do it. Point number two. You can only love to the level that you know. You can only love to the level that you know. Example. My love parallels my knowledge. Okay? When I met Amy, I wanted to get to know her more. <laughs> because I loved what I saw, but I wanted to know more so that I could love some more but I, 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 lo I loved at the level of what I, I can never love more than the information that I know about her let me do it this way say you've got this guy who just came back from the service who served two three four tours over in the Middle East saving uh, 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 defending our country and he walks back in the door and he's got a four-year-old who he hasn't spent a lot of time with because He's been overseas. And also in the room is his wife, who he's actually been married to for like 15 years. And then in the other side of the room is his mom. Again, remember, you can only love based on the level of the knowledge that you know. As soon as he walks in the door, the little boy recognizes that's daddy and runs out of his room straight to daddy, puts his arms around daddy's legs, and he's just loving on him, loving on him. But before too long, it, everything changed. Why? Because he, he was limited in his knowledge of his daddy and he went right back in his room watching Nickelodeon doing whatever he was doing watching Barney I don't know but then there's the wife she doesn't even let him get past the inside of the door she runs straight to him jumps I mean jumps up he's actually supporting her weight as in legs all around why because she loves at a different level it's it's more than just the level of the little boy she actually has more than just four years under her belt with him it's 15 20 years after, after they've exchanged hugs, kisses, glances, all that stuff, I was going to be funny graphic, but I probably would have made y'all throw up. So she, she, he puts her down, and on the other side of the room, there's mama. Mama didn't even have to get up and go over. She's just over in the recliner crying. Why? Because she has more of a knowledge of her son. She was there when he was born. She was there when he graduated kindergarten. She was there when he graduated high school. She was there when he was in his service suit, and he was getting sent off. She didn't have to run up and be all up in his business. She loved him at the knowledge and the level of knowledge that she had for him. Stop opening yourself up, giving everybody access to this large level of knowledge about you. 
Because when you do that, you're changing the dynamics of the relationship. And I promise you, before too long, you will get hurt. And remember what I said. All of the stuff you begin to share out of pain and out of hurt, and now you're, why? Trusting this person. Anything you said can and will be used against you. We've got to make sure that we understand the dynamics of intimacy. You wouldn't go around and sleep around with everybody in town. You wouldn't go sleep around with everybody that you work with. But, but we are opening ourselves up in an intimate way to people every single day. And yet we're getting hurt. And they're not responsible. We're responsible. We are responsible. Now in my role... I've had to learn to be a good listener. I remember when I briefly spent some time at, at, at Sally's office for a short time. You know, people automatically began opening up and, well, one, they knew my other occupation. It's not a job. It's a calling. And so I had to learn just to be a listener. And you too might have to be a listener. But you have to make sure that you have a filter or that you, that you don't allow the toxins. Again, there, this, is a, this is a little touchy. This is a little different than trying to be their confidant. When God appoints you and places you in a person's life and they're actually, you, it's this relationship where they're looking up to you. Just be a listener. And talk very little. And whatever you do, unless God releases something for you to share even if it even even if it even if it would be parallel to what they've went through or what they're going through you need to hold that back i'm just trying to help you tonight because again it's intimate you will get hurt and a matter of fact the enemy could be setting you up especially if you're married and i'm a dude and she's a girl has to be I've got all these problems Amy come <laughs> you're not going to see me in a car I mean there are circumstances but very 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 few intimacy goes all kinds of ways and again it's not your body it's not the bedroom but the enemy understands the power of intimacy that's why he gets us to talk and he gets us to have all these avenues Facebook Twitter Instagram all this stuff because he understands that if we can get this out we will actually decrease what God wants to do in our life because all the secrets are out anybody getting anything out of this I'm done I just I want to make sure that I'm helping you tonight next week (laughs) we're going to talk about it's not about me Because we have issues in relationships where we can't keep relationships. And we think it's because they're bad. Maybe it's because, maybe it's because trying to be your friend is costing me too much. And, and we're going to integrate a little marriage stuff in there too. So married people come, get ready. Get ready. 
It's a concept that if we really understand it and we lived it, it would practically eliminate over 50% of the conflicts in relationships if we understood that it's not about me. And I purposely made sure that we talked about navigating through a fence before I did this one. Because I don't need anybody getting mad because it's not about you. Amen? But tonight we talked about navigating the dynamics of intimacy. And information creates intimacy. What to share, what not to share. But what I really wanted you guys to see is the depth and desire of God's heart that he has for each of us. To have a relationship, an intimate relationship. That's really, what, that's really what, what it meant when he said, I'm moving you here to here. Yes, there's some dynamics we need to understand about how we control intimacy. But the other side of this was to understand that, that we are at this level with God. We are his friend. He no longer withholds saying, I have all this knowledge and I'm going to keep you here. No, no, no. What he's saying is, everything my father has showed me or told me, you have access to it. You have access to him. The deep, the deep desire that God has to have an intimate relationship with every one of us is crazy. He wants more of you. He wants more of your time. He wants, he wants to be first in your life, in your home, in your marriage. He wants to be first in your finances. He wants to be first. He just wants to say, will you acknowledge me? That's how we acknowledge him, by putting him first. Amen? Amen? Everybody's standing all over this room. Let me pray for you tonight. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of Forward Church Online. At Forward, we believe that God speaks to each one of us individually, directing our lives and giving us focus. It is our desire that you would experience Christ and pursue His purpose for your life. One of the easiest ways to draw close to God is by connecting with the local church. Get started today by visiting myforwardchurch.org to find out all the ways that you can give, serve, and grow.